0: Welcome to the future. This is it. You've made it. You've arrived. I, I know it's a little anticlimactic, but this is it. This is it. I don't have a DeLorean on the stage. I don't. This is the future. And, and I realized uh, that this is the future this week. I, I, uh, uh, I was sitting in my living room talking to a doctor on my phone. And so I'm in a doctor's appointment in my living room. And so that alone is like, oh, maybe I'm in the future, you know. And so, um, and I called because, well, I won't tell you why I called. It was just a personal reason, and they were like, no, we can do it telehealth. And I'm like, can you? Because I think we need, uh, anyway, so they they did that. And uh, it would be a lot funnier if you knew uh, all the things, but my wife would kill me if she uh, heard. So, um, I, (laughs) I, uh. So, yeah, I'm here now, so we're going to go for it. Uh, so, so I, I said, I think I need my prostate checked. And they said, well, we can do a telehealth. And I said, I don't know how that works out, but uh, all right, let's see what happens here. And so, I'm, I'm on my couch wondering what in the world they're going to ask me to do. And so, uh, I'm... And all of a sudden, uh, so I'm in the middle of my doctor's appointment, and my robot maid, uh, a Roomba, um, come, It turns on. Rudely, it starts cleaning the house, and and uh, this robot starts cleaning my house. And, and I'm thinking, are we rich? And it's like, no, this, this is just something that the in-laws get for Christmas. Like, this is the future. We're living in the future. They give you robot maids for Christmas down days. And so um, I go, and I, I turn off the Roomba. Uh, so that it, her name's Charlie, by the way. So uh, my daughter's named her Charlie and uh, or Charles. So I don't know. Anyway, we're in the future. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I turn the the robot off and I finish my appointment. And then my five year old comes in and she accidentally calls me Alexa instead of Dad. She says Alexa. Like my five year old has a personal assistant, a digital. AI named Alexa and she accidentally called me that name like it's we're in the future like we're here we've made it we've arrived this is Tony Stark level like my daughter has access to technology that we read about in comic books in fact you'd have to have a DeLorean to go back in time to reach the future from back to the future so, like, their future in Back to the Future was 30 years in the future, but for us, it's almost 10 years in the past. Like, we're in the future of Back to the Future's future. Yeah. you'll k- Rewind it. Watch us online. We're in the future. That's the point. Welcome to the future. we have here. We're here. We've made it. We've arrived. Uh, we've got uh, things in our pockets that can, uh, you know, uh, that supposedly there's like a billion times the amount of computing powder 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 power um, in our phones that put the man on the moon like so um, I don't know what that means but anyway we're just in the future but I'm not going to talk about any of those things what, what I want to talk about is we are in the future not just uh, according to technology and things but we're biblically in the last days we are in the future and and so it's it's important to understand that uh we're living in the promises that the multitudes uh, of millennia past us, the the generations of people before us, they long to live in the days that we are living in. And I don't want us to take that for granted. I I can't imagine. uh, uh, I I don't want to be an entitled generation. I want to be a grateful generation. And so uh, uh, my first point, the main goal is to help us to be grateful um, in uh, this moment. I want to be grateful for Jesus, and I don't want to take grace for granted. Uh, so that's my first point this morning. I don't want us to take grace for granted. We, we see in Jeremiah 29 uh, 11, but we're going to start a verse earlier because I think it's it's not quoted enough. Uh, Jeremiah 29 10 says this, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a hope and a future, a future and a hope, according to this translation. Um, we love that last verse. In fact, uh, it, you know, it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. And, and in fact, this, this last year, uh, Jeremiah 2911 was more popular than any, uh, as far as Google uh, analytics, um, people search for this verse more often. They favorited it in the Bible app more often than any verse in the New Testament. Jeremiah 29 11. we love this verse because we love the fact that God knows our future, that he has a plan for us, that he has a, a hope for us, and, and those are good news. Um, but we will experience a hope in a future, but the people that were reading this, that were hearing Jeremiah declare this over them, did not love this verse it would not have been a viral verse in uh in, in 590 bc because he says in 70 years then i will visit you and you will experience the future and the hope 70 years Right. There, there's no way that while they were reading this in five hundred and ninety B.C., uh, th- there's no way that this made the top ten most popular verses. Right. Because 70 years is a long time. Amen. OK. The, the Those people, the people that live 70 years from now probably aren't even going to know my name, even the ones that are related, even the, you know, my great, great, great grandchildren. Aren't probably going to know my name, right? You know, you might know your great great. If you're into the ancestry.com, you might know more than that. But, but honestly, I don't know that I can remember my great 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 grandma's name, grandpa's name. I, I, I could ask somebody, and and I could get there. But it's not like in 70 years, no one's going to know your name. How does that make you feel, right? Okay, so uh, we're living in this reality that that for them at least. Um, they, they could become bitter. This is not a top 10 verse. Uh, they could actually covet the next generation. They could be jealous of the next generation and all that they're going to experience and all the blessing that they're going to experience. And they could want that for themselves and they could become envious and, and mad at God and say, God, why are they going to get to experience what I don't get to experience? And they could begin to covet the next generation. But uh, my next point is in the future here. We do not covet the next generation. And in fact, we, we put them on a pedestal. We hope that they stand on our shoulders. We want them to excel. We want the next generation to know God uh, more fully than we know him ourselves, right? So, so this is our hope in our future is we want the next generation to rise up. And, and I think that in our day, there's a lot of generational resentment. And I don't know what's caused this. I, I think that we're all on the Internet now. There for a while, we were kind of isolated, and, and now it's like we're all there. And, and so there's this, uh, hey, boomer, and okay, boomer, and there's the, you know, and we make fun of every generation has these stereotypes. And, and, and I, I think that, I, I don't exactly know, but, but I, I think that it comes from the entitled generation not knowing, uh, not knowing how good they have it. And, and I, I think it makes the older generation upset. And I, I think this is not just a, in our world. I think this is in every, uh, every century ever. You know, the, uh, the people that farmed the land, that made, you know, they worked the hard from sun up to sundown. And then uh, all of a sudden their, their kids get to experience this life that, that they didn't experience, that they had to work hard for. And, and it's kind of this uh, cycle that happens over time. Uh, it, I graduated high school in 2009. Which that alone, like, that, people. there's people in the room that think, man, he's young. He's too young to be up there. And there's a few of these kids that are like, man, that's a long time ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, exactly. I've, I've got a youth up front that's saying I'm old. Um, but um, uh, I graduated high school in 2009, and I, I won this uh, pretty decent scholarship from, from a local organization. And they, they give me, and it's $8,000, they, they give me the scholarship, it's $8,000, and that's a life-changing amount of money for me, right? like <laughs> I get $1,000 a semester uh, to buy, you know, throughout my entire college career to buy books and stuff, but when they, when they gave me the check, they apologized for it, and I thought, well, that's weird, um, but thank you for the $8,000, and what I realized is I graduated in 2009, which was on the heels of the 2008 recession, and so that scholarship was based on these, the interest of the mutual funds that the scholarship was invested in. And so I got the proceeds from the biggest recession in the history of you know, the U.S. outside of the Great Depression. And, and, so, um, and so I got $8,000, and I was super excited, and I was, I was uh, grateful for that. But what I found out was the next year, when the economy recovered, Um, I was actually a youth pastor uh, that next year. So I was 19, and I was a a youth pastor. Uh, I was 18, really. Yeah, I was 18 when I got hired. So I'm 18 years old, and now I'm a youth pastor. So I've got kids that I'm teaching that are a year younger than me. Anyway, so one of my students gets that scholarship, that same scholarship from the same organization. She gets $32,000 because the economy had recovered now I've got something inside of me that's not necessarily gratefulness, right? There's a, huh, you know, there's this covet, coveting, and now I understand why they said they were sorry when they gave it to me. Uh, it's because it's a normal year, and that was an exceptional year because the economy actually recovered from, from where it was. But I had this moment of, of, of coveting the next generation, and I, I felt like an injustice had happened in the reality If someone gave me $8,000 out of the kindness of their heart, I received $8,000. I didn't do any work. I wrote a letter and said, please give me money. And they said, okay. Right, so I should have been grateful. It didn't matter what somebody else got. I should have been grateful for what was given to me out of the kindness of their hearts. They uh, granted me this scholarship. And for this other person, she was, you know, uh, she was in my youth group. She was a, a great kid. Like she's wonder I should have been thankful for her and 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 proud of her. And and she's a wonderful person, and she deserves it. But but it's hard, you know. I I got a little jealous, and and I was mad at the younger generation for, you know, they don't even know what how the good they have it. You know, they they, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm jealous that they're getting more than me, and I'm mad at the older generation for crashing the economy on my senior year. You know. And so I'm just mad at everybody, and I have this generational resentment, and and there's this clear divide, and I believe from the bottom of my heart that that is a direct attack from the enemy, uh, from Satan, that that he is trying to divide. Uh, he's divided marriages, he's divided homes, he's divided families, and now we're in a place and time where he's beginning to divide our, our generational, uh, and we, we disagree with people, um, uh, not so much based on how they look or, or the color of their skin, you know, we're, we're past all of that, but we have begin to define ourselves based on the year that we were born, and there's this generational resentment that's that's coming in all directions, and And I believe that it's a strategic attack of the enemy. And so I just kind of want to address it this morning. God says that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, that's the first time when when Moses says, who should I say sent me? Who, like, give me a name. This is the first time that God's been asked for his name and he says, tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent you. Tell them that I am has sent you. So so he defines himself as a generational God from the very beginning. God defines himself as this God who's multi-generational. And, and that this church is multi-generational. Uh, and that's the reason. It's because God is a multi-generational God. And what happens is if you prevent the grandfathers from passing down the wisdom uh, and, 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 and you prevent the grandsons from, from sending up gratitude and the vitality that the next generation has, then you've done some major damage to the body of Christ. And some of us aren't even aware. It's all, it's all fun. It's all memes. And it's, it's just good fun. But there's a, a, a tinge of truth that, that's going to creep in if we don't cut it off. And we have to be aware um, that we should treat one another, um, and paul the, the Bible tells us this, Paul tells Timothy in first Timothy chapter uh, uh, chapter five verse one, he says, "Do not rebuke an older uh, man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity, and so we 're to treat each other as family we 're to treat each other as as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and 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 the next point is we want to encourage each generation as you would your own family. We want to encourage one another. We want to see the next generation uh, prosper as we would want our own kids to prosper. We want to see the the older generation respected and loved and and valued just as we want to see our grandparents and, and parents respected and loved. Joel prophesies, and, and in Acts 2, it's quoted, uh, Peter quotes it in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, when he's preaching the, the sermon at Pentecost, and he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons uh, and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams he's a multi-generational God. And the next point is the Holy Spirit works through every generation. This is the first sermon uh, preached at Pentecost after the Holy Spirit fell. This is the very first sermon preached, and he makes sure, Peter makes sure to quote uh, Joel, who says God is a multi-generational God, and he's going to work through uh, those who feel like they're too old, and he's going to work through those who feel like they're too young, and God is going to use his Holy Spirit to empower each and every person. And the young men are going to dream dreams and the old men uh, are going to uh, see visions or vice versa, however you want to say that. Um, But the Holy Spirit works through each and every generation. And here's some good news. So we read Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. and, And he's speaking to the Israelites and he's saying there's going to be 70 years of captivity. There's going to be 70 years in Babylon. There's going to be 70 years where, where uh, you are exiled. And we see books like Daniel coming from, from that, that time, that 70 years. But, but what I want you to be aware of is we're not living in a Jeremiah 29 world. We're living in an Ezra chapter 1 world. And what I mean by that is let's look at it in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has changed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. This is a prophecy that's being fulfilled Before our eyes, verse three, whoever is among you of all his people, may God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So. This is lost on on you, kind of like my Back to the Future joke, but but I want you to be aware that the people when they heard Ezra's words, when they heard the king uh, 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 say these words, Cyrus the king of Persia say these words, their reaction was. Like, I mean, this is 70 years in the waiting. This is Christmas morning. This is God has fulfilled his promise. We're no longer in this waiting period. We're no longer in exile, but Jeremiah 29 11 has come to pass. Uh, he knows the plans that he has for us. He has a hope and a future and we're giving, we've been given permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple of God. This is huge. My next point for us is it's time to rebuild the house. It's time to rebuild this house. We're not in the waiting. We're, we're not in a time of waiting for 70 years. We're living in the time of fulfillment and blessing of every major prophecy. We, we are living in the last days is the way the Bible says it. Uh, we're living, uh, there's, there's every major prophecy has been fulfilled uh, except for the last prophecies about Jesus coming uh, and returning. And I believe that we're on the precipice of those being fulfilled. I believe that Jesus is returning uh, and I believe that he's returning soon. I believe that even some of us in this room, uh, I believe that it will be within our lifetime that Jesus returns. And so when I say that we're living in the days of Ezra chapter 1, I'm, I'm not saying that we're living in, in that day. I'm saying that's a, a type, a picture of where we are now. So Jeremiah prophesied about Ezra. Uh, uh, the time of Ezra and the temple being rebuilt, and, and now we're living in a time where we can look back at prophecies and see that, that they prophesied that that this would happen, and it's happened. Uh, Jesus rose from the grave. We have the Messiah. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords at the right hand of the Father. He's pouring out his blessing on us. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. We don't have to make animal sacrifices. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to find an, a, a, a high priest to go on our behalf to the Holy of Holies once a year, but we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. Can you, can you, can you understand? I don't want us to be entitled to the grace that we have, that we're walking in. I don't want us to be a, a people that, that just take Jesus for granted and the gift of Christmas for granted. I want to be a people that's grateful for the grace that we've received. I want to be a people that understands that we're walking in the provision of the Lord, that we're walking uh, in a, in a time, in a place where uh, generations have, have longed for these days and and we moan and we complain and we groan and we say we're like the we're like the Egyptian or we're like the Israelites in the desert saying let's just go back to Egypt when god has set us free god has set us free and yet we we look back at the good old days and and we we long for the and and god I want you to know that these are the good old days. Uh, God has blessed us and, and if you don't agree then it's your perspective that's wrong. It's not your situation because your situation should not determine uh, your joy. Your circumstance should not determine your faith. Uh, you are in the good days and God has blessed you and, and you might not understand I know you might be going through a difficult time right now but God has blessed you and you're living in a place in a time that you can have the greatest impact that anybody's ever had on the world. You can share the gospel with people here and around the world uh, through a device that fits in your pocket. You can share the Bible. You can share God's word. You can evangelize the world. Um, But but we take it for granted and we don't act because we don't understand that we're living in a time and a place where where God can use us. Um, And and we've, we've seen this prophecy come to pass. We've seen Jesus and it's almost mundane by this point. You know, Christmas, if, if you're in your 30s or, or older, it's like, oh, Christmas again, you know? And, and, and there's really, you know, Jesus is born, Mary, uh, you know, uh, like, it's all the same. And I'm not trying to minimize. I love it. Like, uh, I'm a pastor. Like, this is my job. I, it's like the Super Bowl, right? I get excited. Um, but, but for some people, we get in this rut where it's just this mundane thing. And it's like, man, how do, and as a pastor, it's like, how do I say this story again? uh without you know without sounding uh like i you know it's it's the same story they all know it you know but jesus uh we can't take that for granted jesus came and he gave us a gift and um and we i just that's my main message is may we not take the grace that we've received from christmas from jesus coming to earth may we not take that for granted look at what happens when the 70 years is up and the prophecy is coming true In Ezra, so when the people hear these words in Ezra chapter three, verses uh, ten through thirteen, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. The priests and their uh, vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph and the, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the Father's house. Old men who had seen the first house, what they do? They, they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though they shouted aloud for joy um, so, so that the people could not distinguish between the sound of joyful shout and the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. So the, here's the point. They're emotional. I've had people ask me, um, especially I, I taught, my fourth and fifth grade class, before I became the pastor, I taught a fourth and fifth grade class on Wednesday night. Um, the, the board told me I couldn't do that anymore, uh, and I had to preach in here, but but I, I love teaching kids, and so I, I was teaching uh, this fourth grader about the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and they they just began to cry, and then later they were like, Why why am I crying? <laughs> you know, that uh, and many of you, maybe you're new to church, maybe you haven't been around church. And it's like, man, when I get to church, I just feel emotional. I feel like I feel like crying. I don't understand. Like, God is in this place, you know, and, and we just get emotional. But why are they emotional? It's because they remember the 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 people that saw the first temple, they they remember uh that God said, I will give you a hope and a future, and they are seeing it laid out. Out before their eyes and it causes them to weep. And I believe that church on a Sunday morning should be uh, just a loud noise. We've got some people in here that are repenting and weeping, and we've got some people that are shouting with joy and 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 banging their hands together and clapping and joyful. Um, but I believe that if we grasp the reality of we're living in the future, we are here, we're in the last days, that we will see this, we'll have this hope of of, of this foundation being laid, and we'll see it with our eyes and in our spirit, we'll know that the foundation has been laid that there's a hope and a future and we won't be able to contain ourselves we'll be we'll be emotional we will be joyful we'll be sorrowful for for all the things and uh, that we've been through but but we'll be looking forward to what God is going to do in us and through us there it is yeah. Yeah, they were they were banging cymbals together and praising the Lord, and we go, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get it. I do the same thing. I'm I've realized one of the few opportunities I have to be uh, listening to a sermon, I I'll realize that I'm just standing there, like I'll just sit there like straight faced. I'm like ah, like this is a, This is what I'm looking at, you know? I, I, like, like, you know, no, I'm not. I'm just talking about me. Like, I'm the same. I'm the same. Like, you know, as a pastor, I want everybody to be engaged and like on fire and yay, amen, pastor. Um, but then when I'm out there, I'm just like, you know, and on, in, inside I'm on fire. I'm power, I'm I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. But on the out, but on the Outside, you know, I'm not giving that pastor the response that I would like. Um, so I get it. I get it. I'm just assuming that you're fired up on the inside, right? All right. Yeah. All right. Don't miss this point. This is, this is uh, one of the, the, the major points here. Is I, I believe we are, we are welcoming in the future, and we, we're beginning to see this foundation that's been laid um, and, and w- I, In fact, the foundation has already been laid. Uh, when Jesus uh, came and was uh, crucified for us on our behalf, um, Jesus Christ is our foundation. And, and we're going to look at that in a second, but, but I want to point this out. This is the next point. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. That they would visit, uh, you know, they would visit once, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year and atone for his sins, atone for the sins of the people. But that would once a year, one day a year, that was all the access to the Holy of Holies, to that God's holy presence. And and we could get close, we could go to the outer courts, and we could go to the inner courts, and, and there's certain people that had access. Um, but but only once a year, the high priest could enter into God's presence and go to the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant uh, lived and, and, and was. Um, and, and so we go from that, where, where God had a temple for his people to come and to worship him, to experience his goodness. And in the new covenant, in the future where we live, God has a people for his temple. In other words, you are the temple of God, where the Holy Spirit is no longer confined to this holy of holies. But when Jesus died, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom, symbolizing that that God has torn the the, the divide, that it's from heaven that that this curtain that divided the holy of holies from common people like you and me, not just Jewish people, but Gentiles like you and I, when, when that happened, God made available his spirit to all flesh. And, and that's the significance of this prophecy in Joel and, and that Peter quotes is he's poured out his spirit on all flesh. That's an amazing thing that we take for granted. Um, We don't have to go once a year to a, a little room, but we get to experience the holy, holy, the holy of holies whenever we want. The writer of Hebrews says we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. what That's amazing. And yet we don't understand what we have access to and we take it for granted because we're living in the future and we have become that entitled generation. But I'm hoping to open some eyes this morning to what we have access to and to stir up some affection for Jesus and some gratitude for Jesus. And may we enter into 2024 with a new perspective and may we not take what we have access to for granted, but may we walk around uh, like George Bailey saying, praise God. You know, it's amazing. No, nobody got that reference. Uh, anybody watch Wonderful Life over the holidays? Okay. Um, but like we need that fresh perspective that God is good and he's given us so much so paul in first corinthians uh, chapter 3 says it this way and this uh, talks about god uh, about us being his temple and it also talks about jesus being the foundation verse 11 first corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid which is jesus christ so you can't add to christ you can't work your way to heaven there's no other foundation other than jesus but Paul says you can add to it in the sense that you can build on it. Now, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. That's the day Jesus comes. Uh, that's the last day, his second coming. Uh, there's a lot of theology. In this translation, it's capitalized for that reason. reason. It's not just a day, but it's the day. And the day is coming, and I'm excited about it, and I hope you are excited about it. But for the day, we'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. So this is a question. And Paul recognizes that even the people in the first century took it for granted. And so he's, he's forming this as a rhetorical question saying, do you not know? Do you not realize? Because you wouldn't be sleeping around with people if you realized how precious your body is to God. You, you wouldn't be doing these things, you wouldn't be partaking in this debauchery if you understood that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, the God, very God, dwells within you. We we take things for granted when we don't understand them, and that's a, a reason that I would encourage you to read your Bible to commit This year, I'm I'm pretty against New Year's resolutions for a lot of reasons, but I do believe in discipline, and I believe in spiritual disciplines over time. I believe in spiritual habits, and so I'm not simply saying to make a New Year's resolution that you'll forget by the second week of January. But I am encouraging you to decide today to read the Bible every day in 2024. I promise you, it will revolutionize your life. um, Because we forget if we're not looking at it, we out of sight, out of mind, and we forget to be grateful. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, We forget to be grateful. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Everyone, uh, this is verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So my last point, I believe it's my last point. I'm going to make some more points, and we're not even close to the end, but this is my last point in bold. Um, We're a multi-generational church. Uh, We celebrate when others win, so we're going to lift up the next generation. We're going to lift up the older generation. And, And this last point is we are built on the Word of God. We're built on Scripture. We're built on the Word of God. Jesus says, uh, if you listen to my words and do them, you're like a wise man that builds his house on a rock. But too many in the Christian church, especially in the U.S., especially in America, we, we have a tendency to be hearers of the Word, and we don't do the Word. And I say this about every week, but you sit in a chair, and you listen to me talk in a microphone, and it makes you feel good about yourself because you've heard the truth. But if you don't do it, if you don't do anything, if you don't act on it, then, then you're like the foolish man who hears God's Word, but then you go out and you build your house on sand. Um, there's a two-part uh, practice here that we have to hear God's Word and then obey God's Word, and that's what lays the foundation. We're building our lives on what God's Word says to do. and And so, is it in the Bible? Then that's what I'm going to do. And, and does it apply to me? And that's what I'm going to do. And so that's uh, where I've built my life and my hope. And, and, um, and I've just started saying, um, when faced with temptation, I, I've just started saying, that's not who I am. And, and I've I just said, that's not who I am. This is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'll say that to myself out loud when, when I, I want to be lazy or I want to gossip or I want to do whatever. And I, I know I'm a pastor, but I'm a human. And so I have these times where I'm tired and frustrated and, and, and whatever, and I want to act in anger, act in. And so there's times where I'll say out loud, that's not who I am. I, I'm a follower of Jesus and this is how I act. And, and there's power in those words. There's power in just declaring, no, that, that, that's not what I do. I don't do those things. This is what I do. And we're built on the word of God. We have a hope and a future. And, and I, Jeremiah 29:11 does apply to us and that's good news because uh, it's it's out of context and it's quoted out of context and and I can get you know upset about that but the reality is is now in these last days it, it applies to us we have a hope and a future God has plans for us. We often say that the best is yet to come around here, and that's it's true. the best is yet to come it doesn't matter if you're uh, if you have more of your life in the past than in the future, what I mean by that is you're old if you're old, it doesn't matter the best is still yet to come because we have what we have the hope of heaven and and so no matter what you're going through if it's the worst time of your life, I can tell you that the best is yet to come, or if your life is perfect and everything's great, I can tell you that it will get better if you've put your faith in Jesus, the best is still yet to come. Your best days are ahead of you, even if you're ninety years old. the best days are ahead of you. You have the hope of heaven and an opportunity to leave a legacy here on earth. The best days are yet to come i uh, Can I preach a little bit so we're not living in a time of exile or exclusivity in other words we the we, there's not qualifications like like we're not living in a time of of sacrifice or, and judgment um uh, while there is judgment Jesus was our sacrifice and so we are still living in those days but but it's different because uh, we're living in the future we're living in this In this time where we we don't have to rely on a human high priest, but we can, as I said before, we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus was our sacrifice. He covered all of us. For God to love the world that he gave his son that we celebrated last week, He, he gave his son so that we would have a hope and a future through him. And we have a great high priest that's perfect and sinless, and he died for us so that we would have a a future. And and he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, by the power of God. And that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you, and yet we, we can't take this for granted. We have to understand that we're living in the future. He poured out his Spirit on all flesh. All of us have access. And I know life may be hard right now, and I'm not minimizing that. We all walk through things that are unbearable at times. But I'm encouraging you to be grateful for all that God has done in your life. Because we can't lose sight of how good God is, even if our situation uh, says otherwise. We know that He is good, and He does good, and He has a plan for you. And and it doesn't matter um, uh what you've done or how good you've been. All that matters is you put your faith in Jesus. And the good news is we don't have to wait 70 years. We don't have to wait uh, for some promise to be fulfilled. You have access here and now. Today you're living in the future. No matter what you're walking through, you can decide to follow Jesus and he will guide you on a path that leads to life and he will direct you because he has a hope and a future for you. I'm going to end with this. If I could have the musician come, um, there's an expectation. This is where we have to apply this to our lives. So you've, you've listened, you've heard, now what do I do, Dakota? Well, how can I apply this to my life? There's an expectation embedded in Jeremiah 29, 11. In verse 11, it says, um, it says this, God knows the plans. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So who knows the plans? Okay, so how does that help us? <laughs> so who do I need to talk to to figure out these plans i've got to talk to them. I have to communicate with the person uh, the God who knows the plans. If i don't know what God knows then then i I'm limited. it doesn't impact me at all to, to thank you God that you know the plans i'm going to go over here. That doesn't do any good the, the uh, God knows the plans. And it doesn't do me any good to know if I don't listen to him. If the coach says, hey guys, I've got a plan that's going to get us to the state championship and we're going to win. It doesn't matter what the coach knows if the players don't know the place. If the players don't listen to the coach, they're not going to win. It doesn't matter how good that coach is. It doesn't matter um, if they've won every championship. They've. Ever, it doesn't matter if the players don't listen and, and get to know the plays. So Jeremiah 29, 11 isn't the end of the promise. It's the beginning. Let's look at the next verses in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12. So I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans... Uh, uh, for a hope and a future. And then we we see in verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations. And I will, I will, uh, in all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I want to encourage you to call on God. In order to know his plans, we have to call on God. We have to come to God. We have to pray to him and he will hear you. That's the fulfillment of the promises. He will hear you and he responds to the prayers of his people when we seek him with all of our heart. We can't half-heartedly seek after God. We can't half-heartedly do this thing we call Christianity. We have to be all in. When you seek God with all of your heart, that's when you will receive the, the knowledge, the plans that he has for you. And he'll be found, he'll restore you, he'll unify you, and he'll bring you home. So that's your future. That's the future, and this, the future is now. So I want to encourage you to call on him. Will you call on him this morning? Will you come to him this morning? Will you seek him with all of your heart. Will you decide today that 2024 will be a year not of half-heartedness, but you'll be all in. You'll be seeking the Lord with all of your heart. You'll be reading, you'll be praying, you'll be seeking after the Lord and his plans for you will be revealed and you will find what you're looking for and God will bless your life as a result of it. But you have to seek him to receive the promise. This is the beginning of a new future. This is the beginning We've laid the foundation, but we have to build upon it by calling on God, by seeking his plans for our life, by understanding his future for him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to encourage you to commit this next year to God and his word. And watch what he does in your life and in this church.